it is time to tune up the band and get round it for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinbag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dan and Reardon as always, as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling. <laughs> Hello there, chaps. I would have said what's up, but I always felt Get Rowdy was the much better theme tune for, for, for our troops career. It was. It was. <laughs> How are you I... chaps doing? <laughs> That's my sounds right now. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on. It's a much more comfortable week this week. At least we're not festering in the heat today. No, that's true. It's actually yeah. very cool. <laughs> very manageable. Very breezy as well. I appreciate that. It's like, to, to the uninitiated in this country, the way like UK houses are built, I'm going off the tangent already, like a minute in. Is that oh, I've already, I went through this exact tangent with someone else like last week. <laughs> is that the way houses are built in the UK are to keep heat in. They're meant to be insulated. Uh, and that's the reason why we don't usually have air cons. Sometimes we don't have heat the way we have been over the past few years. So any sort of heat that comes in to a house, it will stick around like a greenhouse. And that's why it's yeah. so uncomfortable. And the only th- and the problem is as well is that this country is so humid all year round. Like we never go below about sixty percent humidity in this country. So it, it just combine all of that with warm weather. Yeah, you ain't you ain't lasted very long. <laughs> oh man. So that's so that's why I'm so thankful for being so cool on a recording day. I don't know about you, Chad. I know, it's great. It's great. That's why I prefer doing these podcasts in the winter, because that way you could remain so... It's so cold outside, but you could still... Oh, it's so good, warm. because I don't even have to worry about it being, like, you know, horrible and, like, the other day when I had to get on when I had to get on the train, and it was just, like, boiling. So when I go out after this, it's, like, nice and quite cool, and I don't have to worry about stuff. You can always put more clothes on, but exactly. you can't take your skin off. Exactly. Unfortunately, you get, um, yes, you get arrested unfortunately. for indecent exposure if you take your skin off. Yes. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, anyway, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, <laughs> Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. You know, guys, there are a lot of things that are up, but the most thing that must be up is pending. Because you've always <laughs> got to be pending. <laughs> One day we'll be on Pocket Casts. We'll get we'll get that sweet exposure into Pocket Casts. But right about there, we're pending. <laughs> we always be pending. And as ever, we are every Wednesday coming to you live from Project Dits HQ <laughs> on this podcast feed as well. And if you and I will keep mentioning this every time now with every episode. But we do have a Patreon as well. So if you do if you do yes. have an extra spare bit of cash behind you and would like to subscribe to that, we will be giving you exclusive content here, there and everywhere. As well exclusive access to our Discord server as well. There you go. I forgot that. Yeah. Almost forgot that part. <laughs> All right, dude. You want a personalized wrestler music video? We'll do that for you. Wait, what? I saw, did I sign up for that? No, yeah, of course I signed up for that. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else better to do. Anyway, <laughs> before we get on to this week's episode, which is known as Reardon's worst nightmare, the R Truth retrospective, <laughs> <laughs> it is time to mosey on over to Dan for quite a really good week of wrestling. It has been for this week's. 
wrestling news. Dun, 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 down. Wrestling news. I was going to come up with something, and then I was like, it doesn't work. <laughs> the syllables <laughs> aren't right. Go for Wade Barrett. Yeah, just listen. Just go for make. Just make it long, so I don't need to do the retrospect for our truth. Just make it as long as possible. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, if you want to do that, should I just like leave now then? Just head off. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Yes, first, getting into the wrestling news, let's start off with Raw, as we ever would. Uh, we had a another Symphony of Destruction match, which is becoming Elias's, I don't know, his gimmick match now. Yes. I don't know, the novelty of seeing someone get hit with a cello kind of disappears after, like, the second time. Especially with so? someone that isn't Braun Strowman as well. You think so? Yeah. I, do you think, I mean, like, I, I enjoy... I enjoy it just because I. But then again, I enjoy seeing people get hit by a guitar anyway. So I, <laughs> I know. I know what you mean. Never drew a damn. We had Natalia and Tamina versus Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax again. I, I hope that they please just separate Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. It's run its course. Fight forever. <laughs> Genuinely, they can be challenging. F- I like honestly. I if someone can do the stats to find out how many times they have <laughs> faced each other. <sighs> remember when Shane Baszler um, was a big deal? Oh, I remember. <laughs> remember when you didn't watch the same match week in week out? Because <laughs> speaking of this, Sheamus versus Humberto Correa. Oh, for God's sake! With <laughs> uh, Sheamus picking up the win. Uh, it's it's a shameful Bobby... thing when you repeat yourself. <laughs> Lobster head. <laughs> um, we had Bobby Lashley beating Keith Lee, and Keith uh, what has really annoyed some people as it was Keith Lee's like home state show. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, which we will get. We will get to later. We'll get mm-hmm. to later. Uh, it's Goldberg. <laughs> He's back again. <laughs> Guess who's back? The, back the, the, the prophecy, the Biggie prophecy, has seems to be coming true. Big meaty men slapping meat. There you um, go. That is WrestleMania Hollywood's tagline. Big meaty man slapping meat. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I think my favorite thing has been seeing a certain subsection of WWE fans try and justify this choice. And, like, I mean in kayfabe booking terms, not like it's Goldberg. <laughs> it, it's, quite Im- it's quite impressive. The, it, like, with the mental gymnastics they're doing, they could probably go for gold at the Olympics, which, by the way, it recently just started. It did just start, and I am not watching because of many reasons. Same. That's understandable. I'll probably occasionally watch in on, like, random niche sports. Oh, probably going to end up watching the skateboarding highlights because, come on, it's yeah, skateboarding actually, in the Olympics. You know, you know what, actually? That is true. That is a good point. I'll have to watch the highlights. Like, so for me, the Olympics is my chance to watch just like a bunch of random sports. Like My favorite one, handball. Handball goes wild. I don't even know what it is. When it's on at the Olympics, though, I'll watch it. Any other time of the year, it just doesn't exist. <laughs> skateboarding as well. Sport climbing as well. Give a shout out to that. Um, and I'm debating watching surfing and or karate. I don't know. Maybe. 
What's real quick, real, real. I know we've gone off tangent, but real quick, real quick. They have to give Tony Hawk like an honorary gold medal, right? Because <laughs> like, I'd love, to, I'd love to see that. I because like, because I'm like, because I'm like, when they announced that skateboarding was going to be a part of it, I was like, wow. They waited until Tony Hawk was semi-retired. That's bollocks. <laughs> now I believe, I, was, I believe it's only street skating as well, not vert as well. I don't. I believe they don't have vert in there. Which is oh, which that's is crazy. They I thought it would be vert. I assumed is, it was. This vert. is Bob Burnquist erasure. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Oh god. Anyway, where were we? Well, yeah. no. So, yeah, the side note on that is they're doing a bunch of test events because then the other one they've added is baseball and softball because Japan. Because oh, I, yeah. because Japan, and I'd love to see that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm interested to see the state of if we have a British baseball team. <laughs> That'd be weird as hell. And what it and what the team is like. Anyway, on to something that's uh, gone from a moment of like, you know. People could take national pride in and enjoyment to carrying cross versus Jeff Hardy. <laughs> At least we got oh boy, words. oh boy, this is I had some people. Oh, has it then some, hasn't it? Um, I'll try my best to I to explain the I and basically it's Jeff Hardy beat the NXT champion in four minutes. Fun fact: cage match has it listed as one minute thirty, <sighs> which means the rest of it was just entrances. But then again, milk no more words for all it's worth, you know? See, that is the thing. And I think, I guess this will be the first tangent to go off on. And basically, it's it runs exactly like a meme that I sent around to a couple people recently, <laughs> which was like, um, it's crazy that four promotions that all have their own stakes and in and like own investments in working storylines and their own titles and stuff have more synergy than two brands under the same umbrella. Yeah. It's nuts, isn't it? Like, it's it's genuine. And I know, obviously, people are going through the whole, um, oh, you know, it's Jeff's experience or it's this or it's building up to a bigger story, right? It's a thing I've spoken about, which I I believe that some WWE fans have been I I dare I say conditioned. I don't think that's the right word. Mm. They've reached a point where they feel the need to justify stuff, mm. as in they need to justify booking. They need to justify decisions to make things consistent. Now, a consistent storyline is like the basics of writing fiction. Yeah. But second of all. I think people just need to know that sometimes stuff is just a stupid decision. Yeah. And to accept it as that. Um, again, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. I'm a big fan of the Elder Scrolls games. <laughs> okay. And the thing about the Elder Scrolls games is that they're very deep with lore. Like yes. story and world building and everything like that. The thing is, though, right? is that there's a bunch of stuff in like the first two games that were made in like you know the old school pc era mm. that have a lot of stuff just kind of because of the limitations and what they thought it was going to become later mm. that isn't consistent anymore <laughs> that you just kind of have to disregard as like it's just a thing they decided to do mm. Rather than get worked up in like, oh, how does this fit into the canon? How does this fit into the story? They said this, and then this is the case. Like, you just kind of <laughs> need to ignore it. Yeah. 
And like, that's the thing with this. Just accept it as a weird booking decision that makes very little sense. <laughs> yeah, because pretty much like it never really mattered in NXT the next day. Like, it, that's it the thing. Matter at all. <laughs> I mean, apparently there was a whole bunch of stuff about like them, people at NXT trying to figure out what the hell to do. Yeah. And like the thing I said to people is the bigger problem is if you see this, right? You see the champion of NXT lose in, we'll say, according to Cage Match, a minute 30. <laughs> Still makes me Are you going to want to watch NXT? Yeah. Because you're just going to think Karrion Cross and everyone else on the promotion, that, on everyone else on the brand that couldn't beat him is just a bozo. <laughs> It's a, it's a great example of shooting yourself in the foot, really, isn't it? Well, yeah, it, it's cutting off your nose to spite your face. <laughs> it achieves, like, nothing. <laughs> and here's the thing, right? It doesn't demean Cross in any sort of way. I still bloody love Karrion Cross. I still think he's a talented dude who could pretty much... Who, who legit scares me sometimes because he does look like he could kick your head off. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I don't think it's going to do anything to diminish his character. I think it just lends like this weird view of what the hell even is NXT at this point and can yeah. WWE decide it? Yeah. Is it developmental? Is it third brand? That's it. Because yeah. if it's developmental, then you get start getting into questions of well, what's Adam Cole doing there? What's Gargano yeah. doing there? What are all these guys that have spent their time there? You know, Champa, whatever, Thatcher for years yeah. there, and they've never moved up. Yeah. Or is it a third brand like when they had Survivor Series and then NXT? Like, did they tie or win? They won. Yeah, they won the interbrand Survivor Series. Yeah. And you so know, just like, being, and calling it an interbrand implies that it is in fact third. a yeah. brand. <laughs> like the NXT title was a world championship for when it was convenient to do so for Drew McIntyre, and then it wasn't again. Yeah, there and then go. they never referred to it as that ever again. It's it's like the company doesn't know what this thing is, which is crazy considering they created it. Mm. And they have and full control over it. I'm pretty sure that Vince still thinks it's a game show at this point. <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> but, you know, it, it it is what it is in this weird world and the weird place it exists in. Um, moving over, though, to the, the Raw Women's Championship match. Charlotte takes the win, takes the title off Rhea Ripley, when all of a sudden out comes Nikki Ash cashing in money in the bank. Um, the expect the life expectancy of a women's money in the bank holder is like under a day. Yeah, it's weird as hell. Um, but Nikki Ash is your new Raw Women's Champion, and I am so goddamn happy. Same. The girl from Scotland that could, mm. she's done it, and I'm so happy the company is putting energy behind her. Um, and like I said to a uh, lovely friend of the show that recently appeared on Fightful, did you know? Yes. Uh, Kate, um, there's about 30 pieces of merchandise that they could be making for her and getting bank out of this that they haven't yet and they need to. Come on, do you need to look at the hurricane as the prime example of that? <laughs> it's what I say to people, right? People forget, right, in a time of Austin, Rock, Triple H, Kurt Angle, all the big people of that time, the hurricane was a top three merch seller. Yeah. So come on, do it. 
do it. I want my I want my Nikki Ash comic book T-shirt that the, the I had That's the exact I mean. same there hurricane is, one. There is so much that they can be doing with this, and they haven't yet. But when the time comes, do it. You'll have a whole new young generation with you on this. Absolutely. And also, it lets you interact with popular media more. <laughs> which we will get to with SmackDown. I was going to say. <laughs> um, let's go over to uh, NXT, though, now. Uh, Diamond Mine, Roderick Strong, and Tyler Rust with Malcolm Bivens and Hideki Suzuki at ringside versus Kushida and Bobby Fish. Oh. Um, great showing for Kushida here. Oh, I love um, this match. Oh, Kushida is so damn smooth with it. I know. It's and like, like the to be fair, right? Like the thing is, his transitions straight out of the Sakuraba book. Yes. Uh it's almost like he's so good that WWE don't deserve him, really, do they? <laughs> I don't even know it's that they don't deserve him. It's just I feel like he ends up in that weird place where it's like he kind there's stuff that he kind of just isn't allowed to do. Yeah. <laughs> because other I don't it's almost I almost want to say other people can't keep up with him. Roderick Strong definitely could. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and probably Bobby Fish as well. Yeah. Um, but no, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff um, in this match. It's a good tag match. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, I know people. A lot of people were saying were like, "Oh, why are Diamond Mine already losing?" Um, but you also have to remember, right? We're thinking contextually. Kushida's cruiserweight champion as well. Mm-hmm. And Kushida's the one getting the win on rust who is also the least experienced out of them if we're talking kayfabe terms yeah um and i don't think this does anything to hold them back because like one thing that we obviously have is that we haven't had roderick strong one-on-one we haven't seen hideki suzuki yet and do you honestly think malcolm bivens as a character is just gonna let this one slide come on no it's malcolm bivens he won't let anything slide (laughs) um we had a nice, we had a nice little showing from Frankie Monet uh, against JC Jane, who has recently been signed up by NXT, or I believe she may have been with them in one of the previous classes that they signed, but has only just made her TV debut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait to see the continuation of what it is with Mandy Rose. I. <laughs> I'm guessing it's gonna be some kind of like hostile takeover of the Robert Stone brand. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's the only way I'm 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 looking at it right now. Um we then get to Kylo Riley versus Austin Fury. Kylo Riley picking up the win. Um Deservedly. Absolutely deservedly. Um and I love Kylo Riley taking the what I term cracked out gimmick uh, <laughs> that lots of Japanese wrestlers use where he just like gets hit in the face and it's just like just immediately stands back up and it's just like I'm now going to forearm your chin like seven times before you go down <laughs> yes I love it it's like one of my favorite things in wrestling because it's like I mean to be fair the, the god of it is cracked out Ibushi yes but, but I, just, I just love it man made me it's re- so good made me realize how much I miss Shibata as well when that happened oh uh, mate the other day there was like a bunch of people talking about shibata and i was just like man i really miss my shibata yeah um we're not a recommendation corner yet but go and watch iq wrestlers highlight video for shibata it's incredible it's done to death grips and it makes it even better and it's so accurate oh death grips you say yes 
Shibata to it's clips of Shibata to Beware by Death Grips. Oh, oh, from X from X Military 2011. Oh, the. The best, the best death grips album. I don't care. <laughs> uh, we had the continuation of the NXT Breakout Tournament. Andre Chase, formerly Harlem Bravado, picking up a loss against Odyssey Jones. My favorite thing that anyone said about him was that he sounds like someone Rick James would get into a fight with in the seventies. <laughs> and I was like, "You're not wrong." <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty damn freaking accurate, isn't it? Um, but no, uh, great showing, great showing for Odyssey Jones, especially as he's someone that people haven't really seen before mm. um I, I mean basically he kind of is like um what mark henry was like when he first started yeah but i don't see that as a bad thing and they've changed his finisher now so he's no longer using the um world strongest slam mm. but i also liked his gear as well quite nation of domination inspired. i was gonna say yeah very, very big throwback isn't that but um no, nah, it was it was good. I, I liked it. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <clears throat> Likewise. Uh Drake Maverick picking up the win against LA Knight. a uh, little bit of uh you know, finagling about. A <laughs> little bit a little bit of cheeky stuff. Crazy to uh, see to, to get the win. Crazy to see a TNA match on NXT, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> funny, how that, funny how that works, isn't it? <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> Uh, then we finished off with uh, Zia Lee versus Raquel Gonzalez for the XC Women's title. Um, Raquel Gonzalez retaining. Um, I think this is the first loss for Zia Lee in this new gimmick. I believe so, yeah. Um, but real strong showing. Um, I think it does a lot to add credence behind Raquel, Raquel's um, title reign. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally pretty impressed. I know, I believe Zia Lee took an in took an injury yeah um as a result of the second rope splash that uh Rahel did mm. but i don't believe it's anything serious as everyone says <clears throat> brett's rope is the most dangerous yep mm. <laughs> but then moving on to smackdown being dual cast from uh i can't remember exactly what venue they were in but also from rolling loud in miami Uh, and this is what i said about you know actually engaging with popular media Mm. it's just a shame that the audience wasn't engaging with it as well wasn't it Mm. thing is i feel a lot of the time they both weren't given a lot to engage with exactly um I mean, obviously, we had um, Bianca Belair versus Carmella, mm. which was already kind of a lukewarm match. Um, but frankly, for me, the decision to put um, Chad Gable versus Angelo Dawkins on there bit of a weird one, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was a little bit odd because personally, I would have just taken a page out of the WCW playbook and got some cruiserweight action going. Hell yeah. Uh, or, as was the first match on here, Finn Balor versus Sami Zayn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just let them go crazy with it. Um, or hell, have Big E there. Mm. He wasn't scheduled to have a match, but hey, you have him there. Um, have him. Um, was it the Street Profits were accompanied by Wale to the ring? Yes. <laughs> Big E was in a dark match in the arena. 
Like, come on, <laughs> come on. You know, it was it was just kind of. I I could tell that things just weren't clicking. Personally, if it was me, I would have set up a bunch of, um, you know, like have the Bianca Belair match. I think that's a good choice. Yeah, yeah. it is absolutely great choice. I know it's hard to really get some cruiserweight action. I mean, I guess you could take 205 live with them, mm-hmm. but obviously that wouldn't be featured on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Um, but hell, like getting the Mysterios in or something. Yeah. Also, can I say this, right? The hard cam wasn't facing the crowd. Yeah. The what? hard cam was at the back of the stage. Yeah. So when they had to face hard cam, they turned their back to the audience. Uh. <laughs> What's Such going a wasted on? Wasted opportunity, wasn't it? What's going on there? So I don't know what the I don't know what that decision was. I mean, again, I can speak for like an hour on WWE's decision to always have people facing hard cam, but you know that's that's not what we're here for. Uh, we had Tony Storm picking up a win against Zelina Vega. Uh, Tony Storming yeah. her SmackDown in-ring debut. Hell yeah, love to see it. Revitalize the women's division. Tony Storm will be a great SmackDown women's champion contender when it gets to it. Yes. Um, I do want to say, I think Zelina Vega has come on leaps and bounds in-ring. Oh, yeah. Um, she's in an awkward position right now. Don't really get it. Mm. Um, but we'll just kind of have to, I'm just going to have to see how things develop on that front. Mm. Uh, and then Jimmy Uso uh, beating Dominic Mysterio. Whole lot of fumbling at the end with that match. <laughs> a, a lot of stumbling, fumbling, bumbling. <laughs> but they made it work. And to be honest, a lot of the stuff before it was still pretty good. Not enough that it really ruined it. Uh, after John Cena made his challenge to Roman Reigns, uh, Roman Reigns came out to answer it. Uh, interrupted by Finn Balor, who makes the challenge, uh, and it seems like we're having Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns for SummerSlam. Interesting. It's a choice. I mean, because I'm, 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 I'm putting it to you this way. I want to see that match because that match will be amazing. But do you get an air of pessimism about it? Because it's, it's like, ah, uh, so are we using Balor as the stepping stone towards John Cena versus Roman? Is that going to be is that going to be detriment yes. to Finn? Because yes. everyone knows how good Balor is. Everyone knows how deserved Balor is to be in a main event position as well. Never, never lost the uh, Universal Title, by the way. Exactly. Also, one note, one one thing I'm noticing is it just me, or does it look like with each passing week, Roman Reigns' top teeth look like he's wearing a gum shield more often? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say the thing that someone said to me, which they said they think that Roman Reigns is Roman Reigns's promos are slowly becoming more like The Rock's, <laughs> which is not yeah, a bad thing, especially since true. he was talking about the missionary position <laughs> in that promo. I was just there, and I was like, the the cadence is kind of no, there. I, you know what that yeah especially that bit where he um made that reference to the to um the D, to the doi yeah, the yeah. Way, just the way he said that i'm like wow yeah and this is the same guy that said suffering succotash where did you Vince. it's what we've said it's what we've said before is when you give people lines 
it's awkward but if you just let them come up with their own stuff it hey by the way did you know it sounds more natural exactly where was this roman honestly vince if you'd given us this I guy roman Reigns. i think we would have been more behind him <laughs> Funny how that works. It's uh, crazy that we could have had we could have had this like four years ago. Yeah. And we just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that for WWE. We're gonna move over to AEW quickly before we round up the news. Uh, oh, no, and wait. let's just let's just get up to the big point. Oh well no, we have got another bit as well. We have got another bit as well. Of course. Let's get into the big bit. It's Nick fucking Gage in AEW, MDK in AEW. <laughs> Let's go! I'm so happy. I'm so happy to see this. It is mind-boggling to me that this is happening. Literally, okay. So I am over, like, I, I cannot help this. So, like, on one hand, yes, fantastic. Great to see Nick Gage of all goddamn people <laughs> on main TV. I'm like ecstatic, more than happy for him. Like, no, no contest at all. But I just cannot help, from a storyline perspective, to keep on saying, this is the second labor? <laughs> I <Yes>. know. <laughs> this is number two? It feels... If this was like, because it's like, how many labors has he got? Three? Is it three that he has to do? Or like, for five. Five. Yeah. If this was the fifth one, makes perfect sense. Yes. Perfect sense. Yeah. Like four or five. Yeah. Four or five. This little second one. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth one is Jericho against himself. <laughs> the fifth one. The five faces of Jericho. <laughs> Every no, it's just no. him. It's just Jericho staring into a mirror while a therapist talks to him. So tell no, me, when you actually... slam Shawn Michaels' head into the Jeritron, how did that make you feel? <laughs> it's literally it's it's Jericho in a Firefly death a Firefly death match. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it is crazy that this is only number two. So I assume Jun Kasai is like number three. Um... <laughs> I don't know what technically counts as five if Jericho has to fight against the concept of climate change itself or something. Yeah, like, um, what is the Chris Jericho versus COVID-19? Yeah. Um, so, you know, something like that. Um, although I imagine the fifth one will probably be like MJF or something. Most likely. MJF will be like, you have to go through me. I get the feeling that if 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 Jericho when when Jericho uh, does win this match against Gage, Gage will probably end up clocking MJF at the end because I feel that's the that's best what, way. That, see, that's what I want. <laughs> Everyone, I want it to be to like I want it to be because obviously the the storyline is that um, MJF paid Nick Gage as a hired mercenary. <laughs> Which to is... beat up to beat up Chris Jericho. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not to beat up Chris Jericho. That's to kill Chris Jericho. <laughs> um, and then I assume what will happen is well, it'll probably be like Gage will lose. MJF will come to the ring and be like, "Yo, you couldn't even do what I paid you to do, so I ain't paying you anymore." And then Nick Gage just gonna give him pile driver and then get the pizza cutter out. <laughs> At least pay me in a mattress like David Arquette did, he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me a goddamn mattress. 
But no, I mean, I it, as surreal as it is, I'm so happy to see it. Obviously, yeah. it's opened up a bunch of discourse be- of people who are just throwing largely bad faith arguments sure. um, and choosing to ignore a lot of wrestling's history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, when making those, um, I mean, if you want to take this as your as your qualifier and listen to me say deathmatch wrestling is wrestling did you know that yeah you know you know you know, like if there are people complain about that my complaints about deathmatch wrestling aside you you, you want to know who, who came from deathmatch yeah. wrestling that everyone really likes cm punk speaking of which <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get let's get into some of this discourse then it's that time again. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan are, as far as we know, apparently due to sign contracts with AEW. Um, I'm being careful with my words here because as per the Fightful report, it is still technically speculative. Nothing is confirmed. No one knows of any definite appearances. And it's all been stoked by recent days of things like interviews with people at WWE who said Daniel Bryan hasn't been brought up in creative meetings since April when um, WrestleMania was happening. Um, CM Punk posting a thing, a story on Instagram where he used the music that the Chicago Bulls used to come out to during the Jordan era. Yeah. Cyrus by the um, Alan Parsons project. Yeah. If you if you want to listen to it, it's great. It's great. Um, and everything like that. And obviously, all out is in Chicago. (laughs) Um, Daniel Bryan has said he wants to do work in Japan and work a reduced schedule for similar money, which are all things AEW could offer him. Um, and if you want my view on it. It's entirely possible. Absolutely. Yeah. I've kind of got to the point where I'm said I would be happy seeing Daniel Bryan back in the ring if he wants to. Mm. Honestly, with CM Punk, I don't know that he needs to. No, I'd, mm. I. It's, it, it's. I think it's reached that point with Punk that he has become a folklore legend in wrestling, and I think he cemented his place. He cemented. That's his what place I mean. As a legend. Yeah. Like I don't know that I want to really see CM Punk back in ring. I'd have him like AEW. Have you say Jake Roberts? Yes. Mm. Just to be there as a mouthpiece and just to talk shit on people. But yeah. I don't know that I want to see him back in the ring. I think he's done enough to c- to cement his legacy. Yeah, and I don't think the he thing needs... the thing I said is right. Like you said with the kind of folklore legend thing. Yeah. What he's what he did with his with leaving was that he kind of created the the mystique. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I don't know that he wants to, or many people want to just see him throw that away in a kind of you know Sean Michaels. And you know, DX versus the Brothers of Destruction in Saudi Arabia deal. Yeah. Mm. I, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree on that one. Um, it's like he doesn't really need to put his body through that one more time, does he? I mean, because I know he's, no. he's had he's had a, he's had a terrible history of knee problems um, throughout his entire career, um, and that kind of mustered his uh, uh, mustered his UFC career as well. Those knee problems as well. So 
Does he need to put himself through that? Absolutely not. Because as I said, he's a legend in his own right. But if he wanted to do one more match, and if he saw the perfect opponent in someone there, I mean, I guess... I guess we would all entertain the idea, I'd imagine. But yeah, I'd, I'd, ent- I'd entertain it, but I don't think he has to do it. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. Like, they've got, like, yeah. the, thing, the thing I've said with Daniel Bryan is, like, obviously, he's older, he's had his injury problems, and he's still often doing a lot of recovery. He needs a reduced schedule, right? But the thing is, is like we said, he wants to do work in Japan. So that could just give him the time and ability to just do a tour of wrestling New Japan people. You know, we have a good block of couple weeks in between matches. Basically. You know, being being a bridge for other people to come over to the US. Yeah. Basically, I want to see him reform his tag team of Curry Man in Japan. Let's go. <laughs> you love to see it, boys. Let's go. He's hot. And, yeah. He's spicy. He's the American Dragon. <laughs> He's Brian Daniels. Oh God. <laughs> see, um, on the on the CM Punk discourse, it's always been an I believe it when I see it. I yeah. believe it. That's what I mean. When I when I see them in the ring, yes. fine. It, it is what it is. We can start going on to the next bit. But for now. I again I worry it's gonna be like the the, the Joker at double or nothing. People mm-hmm. are gonna yeah. whip themselves into this frenzy and uh, whoever it is, if it isn't one of those two, they're just gonna get annoyed. Yeah. Yeah, which why so many people unfairly got annoyed at Leo Rush. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but just finally, before we finish off the news, we want to talk about the biggest event in independent wrestling in 2021. <laughs> the Trial of Faye Jackson. Hell yeah. <laughs> An idea brought forward from uh, one that came earlier this year, started by six to ten black independent wrestlers that ended up with over 1,000 people watching. <laughs> Just it's genuinely a hallmark moment yeah. in independent wrestling. And I say that with zero irony. <laughs> it's just so nice to see something so freaking awesome in the world of internet, of the internet and wrestling Twitter in particular. It's I think nice. it just speaks. I think it just speaks to the whole thing that um, that Shug was tweeting about, which was mm. that this is the biggest thing we've done in independent wrestling, kind of this year, and it had almost nothing to do with wrestling. Exactly, and that's the thing about the creativity that you can exercise in doing this. Yeah, um, and expanding the boundaries of what the form can be. Mm. And like it was just so impressive to see, you know, this storyline completely just play out through Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> that I think it, I think it just sh- it should show to people that you can go and do some crazy you can go and do some crazy stuff and have some crazy ideas and it will work. Yeah. You see, <clears throat> be out there enough and you'll get noticed everybody and i'm saying that to every single wrestling fan that wants to stick their feet in the mud and go back to a a, a regular old style of wrestling now move with the t- moving with the times and being <clears throat> unique and original 
uh, in the world of wrestling can get you eyes and can get your ears to you and to and to what you do and who you you know wrestle with. Yeah, it's... it the it always reminds me of the uh, one of the thing it was Anthony Fantano was talking about. It was talking about old heads in hip hop, <laughs> and he was saying like when you have the old heads and people that only care about the form and like the roots mm. of something then you never end up progressing the form it's just stays stagnant yeah and it become you know what is good becomes how much does it meet a checklist yes rather than actually developing and pushing forward and so if you're saying in the context of say hip-hop or r&b you're not going to get your kendrick lamar's your vince staples you know, you're tired of the creators that are going to be pushing the form forwards and going into bigger, bolder ideas. Mm. You know, you need that evolution to take place. You know, without, you know, the WWE wrestling women's evolution. <laughs> Which they say, still one and done. That's the only time they're ever going to do it because they, they, they single-handed. As I, as I say wrestling. to people, remember, it was, the, it was the revolution that became the evolution. <laughs> Which, was a great pay- Which was a great pay-per-view. Top to bottom. Top to with that, though, we are done with the news. Fantastic. Reardon, recommendation corner for me. I believe you have a suggestion or two. I do. Yes, I do. Question. Mm. How much do you guys know about He-Man and the Masters of the Universe? A fair amount. A fair amount. A fair amount. Fair amount. Fascinating. I know jack shit other than pop culture osmosis. (laughs) Because weird 80s cartoons that people who grew up in the 80s are obsessed (laughs) with that are not called Transformers. I'll, I'll, I'll put that point on. Mean absolutely nothing to me. See, this is the benefit I had of having two older brothers that insisted I enjoy material from their from their respective time periods. Same. Yeah. Listen, unless you are called Transformers or Ulysses 31, brat, brat. <laughs> Sam, do you ever watch Thundercats? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I yes, never so. watched Thundercats. Never watched it. Like any of those ones apart from Ulysses 31. Brat, brat. Was it. Was it. Mighty Mice from Mars? Uh, oh, Biker Mice, Mice from Mice. Biker Mice from Mars. Biker Mice. Which I believe is actually 90s. I More believe like that. that my, my, my older brother showed me that and he would be 90s. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in any event. <laughs> The new Netflix sequel series, Masters of the Universe Revelation, or Revelations 1 and 2, is out. I have watched it, and God help me, it's really good. <laughs> now, for those of you who are big fans of, of She-Ra, the Netflix She-Ra, of which I am, mm-hmm. it's so Understandable. Good. Just so good. Don't expect that. It's different. It's very different. But it is a great show on its own right. And made me care about Orko of all bloody people. <laughs> Orko is amazing and is the best part of the show so far. He <laughs> so, man. No, he is honest to God. <laughs> has some of the most poignant lines in the entire show. Orko. 
I never have not, not. I would never have believed that if you had told me. When you when you watch it, you will understand what I mean. <laughs> it is unbelievable. What a great performance! Great performances all around. Mark Hamill having the time of his fucking life being Skeletor. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah, with 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 Lena Head Heady as as Evil Lynn also uh, being a highlight. <laughs> it's, good, it's good shit. It's just good shit, and I recommend it. Awesome. Awesome. Also, check out ti- my recommendation. Check out TigerStyle.com because Lee Moriarty's merch is next level it, it, compared yeah. to other wrestlers, man. Like, seriously? Oh, I, I, you know what? I keep, I, I've, I've on many occasion talked about Lee Moriarty. Hell, I even had him as breakout star of last year. But damn, that guy is going on the up and up, and I'm so excited to oh, see yeah. where he goes this year. But yeah, oh, check yeah. out TigerStyle.com. He does some really awesome matches. Lee Moriarty versus Wheelie Utah IWTV title match that from this match, year. That match is incredible. Ah! <laughs> but with that, it is time to move on to the main bulk of our episode. The R-Truth Retrospective. Now, are you excited, gentlemen? Yes, because I know Rune's going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I've already got Simon, you. I've Simon, got you on ropes. <laughs> that silence is definitely. Why, why are you like this, then? Uh, because I'm built different. Oh, <laughs> uh, alrighty then. So let's let's get this over and done with quickly, for Reardon's sake, shall we? Yeah. You. I, mean, have I do a... have. I do have places to be. Yes. You have an up. Kill battle today more than probably any other any other episode. I'm not trying to con- convince you to, to to change your mind about our trip. I think the thing for me is to make you have, I guess, a uh, a respect for Ron Killing's career. There you go. Fair enough. There we go. Fair that's enough. the way. That's the way I'll word it. So, Ron the Truth Killings, born in 1972 in South Carolina, but raised in Charlotte, North Carolina. Ron, very early on, was an athletic prospect, playing high school football, and was part of the track and field team where he excelled in both. This eventually led him to being offered two college scholarships, but he would turn them down to pursue a love that he made in his teens: hip hop. Killings became enamored with hip-hop and breakdancing in the 80s and began writing lyrics during high school. When he left school at 18 years old, he doubled down on music and began making songs. This unfortunately would lead to Killings selling cocaine on the streets as a source of income for his music career. So after four subsequent arrests with little bits of jail time selling cocaine, uh, he would eventually serve a 13-month sentence in prison. Uh, the longest he would serve uh, for his time as a, as a uh, as a drug dealer, uh, it was actually on Lillian Garcia's podcast. He see he, he marks this as the point that he just that was the moment he gave up on this life uh, lifestyle because he realised if that was the amount of time I was going to serve then, and I keep doing it, I'm just going to keep going more and more downhill. <laughs> mm. 
So it was a chance meeting, actually, with Jackie Crockett of the NWA in a halfway house after his release that he was first introduced to professional wrestling. But Killings kind of wanted to like pursue and focus solely on his music career when he got out of prison. So then he would spend a solid two years plying away at his craft, writing some more songs, uh, producing and recording all of his own material, before contacting Crockett again, expressing interest in pro wrestling. So yeah, Crockett at this time at around 96, 97 was the senior cameraman for WCW and he took Killings to a number of tapings to show him like the inner workings and how wrestling is always put together and the matches and introduce him to wrestlers and, and some of the creative talent at WCW. And this is kind of what led him go, made him go, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll pursue both. I'll go music and professional wrestling. Why the heck not? So he sought out uh, the training of Manny Fernandez, the legendary Manny Fernandez. Oh, what, what a way to have your coach be a legend yeah. of mm. of Mexico, uh, of uh, America. America and Mexico in uh, Manny Fernandez. Funnily enough, he, he, the, his trainers are listed as, I can't believe this because it's like such an amazing kind of turn of coincidence for episodes. Manny Fernandez, mm. the Italian Stallion, George Self and flipping Chris Hamrick. <laughs> oh my God. So quick pause. So his name literally is Ron Killings. Yep, Ronnie yes. Aaron Killings is his name. Holy shit, what a name. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, that that is um, what you said, Sam. Always piggybacks onto another thing that um, people say, where the difference of being a good performer and a good trainer in professional wrestling are very different, and often jobbers are very, very good trainers because they have to be able to work with everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, he would make his debut in wrestling at Pro Wrestling Federation as a manager in 1997 whilst continuing his training. Now, Reardon, would you like to know <laughs> the name he went by during his time uh, when he made his debut in PWF? Ronnie K. No. Dad's going to immediately get this when I say what his name was <laughs> when he started out. He started as K. Malik Shabazz. Okay. But not to be confused with the very infamous K. Malik Shabazz Ashton. It's fine now. Wow. No. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so we will get we'll get rid of that. He would eventually like get rid of that and become K Crush, which is when he would make his debut, have his debut match in 1999 for the burgeoning promotion NWA Wildside. Fun fact: as listed on Cage Match, his first noted match is against Ruckus in a steel cage match. Wow! Go on. <laughs> his, his, his first match was a steel cage match against Ruckus, which against two mind. very uh, two very athletic black wrestlers. And I think that's the thing I, I'm really kind of um, amazed by because that time when he was really into hip hop and break dancing, you know that, and you kind can you can kind of see that in his move set. Could you imagine the alternate reality where? Where our truth became a member of Blackout. Oh God! Could you? Wow! 
That we keep that sweet flat top that I said that, that if, if yeah. you want to see the infamous oh the very famous I'll say infamous but the very famous photo of a young Ron Killings shaking hands with Tupac then you know he had I'll probably tweet it out flat. with this episode yeah. he had yeah, one hell of a flat top it is outstanding flat top quite frankly I know because I'm, I'm just saying that right and I'm just thinking like either you would have had either he could have gone like the the northeastern ccw route yeah and we would have we could have had him as part of blackout or you could have gone socal and then we would have had i guess k k crush versus human tornado oh could you imagine that that's that would be insane i mean oh thinking about that now the surreal alternate realities the way the world works i I mean it would have taken like another six years (laughs) before um they would have crossed paths, but still, but still, <laughs> I would have loved to have seen that. But uh, no, he would find a lot of success actually very quickly in NWA Wildside. He captured the Southern, uh, no, actually, no, tell the lie. That's the NCW television title, I should say, against a very young and very green AJ Styles. Yeah, no, that tracks. Oh, that tracks. That tracks. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. That was and and that is noted as his second match, believe it or not. <laughs> so that is like, fascinating. Quickly, straight off the gate, like Ron Killings is already going up against some very notable names in pro wrestling. Oh yeah. So at the urge of uh, of one Rick Michaels, Ron Killings sends a tape to the offices of World Wrestling Federation who quickly snap him up in late 1999 where he was assigned to the developmental territory Memphis Championship Wrestling and and adopted the name K-Quick. Yes, we're back in Memphis, baby, for I think the 17th yeah. episode on this podcast. Oh yeah, but like it's it, it's the same as like if we were going to do anything about WWF slash E in like the early 2000s it's just like hey i guess we're going back to ovw <laughs> that is true that is true <clears throat> during his time in memphis though he would capture the southern heavyweight championship twice uh funnily enough he lost the title first time to a masked jerry lawler so <laughs> oh wow i'm so surprised <laughs> jerry lawler booking himself to win who <laughs> <With> a fuck <laughs> i never would have guessed thank uh, you <laughs> <laughs> but then quickly then in 2000 early 2000 he would get the call to move up to the main roster making his debut on an on the november 13th 2000 episode of raw is war attacking william regal during a match against the uh regal and the road dog k quick and road dog would then start getting rowdy and literally like K quick was like to the road dog, let's rap together. And it's like, get rowdy. Well, <laughs> oh, the idea of road dog rapping just terrifies me. <laughs> but, oh man. Oh, oh man. you ain't heard the last of it then, Dan. <laughs> I know. I know. But this is a weird time for wrong killings because as soon as he came up, he kind of fell to the wayside in a sense which yeah. is a shame I mean because he was shown if you've seen matches as K quick at that time uh, Reardon you could see that the guy was incredibly talented and immensely agile as well yeah that is something that seems to have remained for dude his build he is 
remarkably okay this is gonna give me a moment to ask a question i wouldn't really get anywhere else so i want to ask you guys what was your wwf slash e like like side show ah see for me it was usually either metal or heat yeah yeah i was heat i was a heat boy See, I, I, I was, I was velocity. <laughs> velocity, wow. Yeah. <laughs> See, back in the day, man. You, you, I mean, especially so the they used to show it. They used to show it for free on Sky. Exactly. Same thing with metal and heat. Um, those sideshows always got shown around lunchtime on Sky One. If you were lucky. also, was it was it Shotgun Saturday? Shotgun Saturday as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember all these random like little side shows, like also the revived WWE superstars that they did. Yep. Which was basically here's everyone that here's everyone that's in ECW. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Oh god. <laughs> so uh K Quick would have his one of his very first matches um at Survivor Series in an elimination match with the Radicals. Uh, um, and the team of Billy Gunn, China, K Quick, and the Road Dogs. So it was a kind of like a quasi reunion of DX yeah. when K Quick um, debuted in the WWF. He would uh, he would have matches here and there. He took part in a four way tag match for the tag team titles at Armageddon. But after that, kind of uh, Road Dog was suspended in. Um, December of that time, and then eventually released in 2001. Um, and then K-Quick kind of got lost in the shuffle in 2001, especially when the invasion angle happened. Uh, yeah, no, but the invasion had uh, plenty of bits to it. Oh my god, here's like another 40 people to add to our roster. <laughs> exactly. He would capture... Uh, the hardcore championship twice in kind of very quick blink and you'll miss it reigns uh, as was always the case with the 24 7 stipulation at that time yeah but after that he was just seen often seen kind of you know those you know uh the very famous site of those vignette like backstage promos where you'd have the WWF yeah. guys in one locker room and the yeah, alliance yeah. guys in the other locker room watching televisions and stuff that was basically <laughs> his job I see. I'm sorry. WWE wrestlers watching television is always one of the funniest things to me. Oh, yeah, because they don't actually face it head on, do they? they, they no, they do. you have to face to the side. Which, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of funny that like they do that, especially considering it's like, my dude, you could just walk to the ring side and just get a seat and watch. Which, fun fact, it turns out that uh, they're actually normal regular human being oh, well, I say normal regular human beings do it but let's be honest Boris Johnson is not a normal regular human being is because <laughs> yeah. that famous picture of him watching the England game he was doing he was positioned the exact same way every wrestler is I, they just, I just always find it funny because it's like they have this weird insistence that you, you can't be facing away from the camera but everyone knows who it is yes. and they know that they're looking at the television yes. so what's the issue <laughs> oh gosh that is probably one of the best tangents we've ever had. 
Dan shoots on all WWE wrestlers watching TV in the back. <laughs> of course, as everyone knows, the first person who watched television sideways was The Rock. Um, I, I, I immediately picture that one thing where that one picture, I don't know if it's been doctored or if it's real, of The Rock watching a TV from the side profile and it's the Kurt Gasm face on the screen. <laughs> I thought that was just an NL bit. <laughs> it must be an NL. My personal favorite. My personal favorite is is always, always Bret Hart. Yes, <laughs> and it's always because he has his thumbs tucked behind the straps of his yes. singlet, as if he's got his hands in his pockets. Yes. It's so funny. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Subsequently, in 2002, he would be released from the WWF, and that brings us to K Crush. In TNA, quite possibly, maybe I'll go on a tangent here. Or, well, not a tangent here. I'll go on record, I should say, as to say, probably some of the most success that he's had in his career. Uh, yes, without question, I'd say. So, Killings would sign with Total Nonstop Action in June 2002 and appeared on the first weekly pay-per-view on June 19th as K-Crush, immediately cementing himself as a heel by uh, harassing NASCAR drivers Sterling Marlin and Hermie Sadler. Don't worry, yeah, I but didn't No, but no, it's okay. <laughs> TNA at that time was really, really weird. Until he was attacked by Brian Lawler. Yes, his first rivalry in TNA was against Grandmaster sexy <clears throat> again it was it was weird <laughs> oh wow. boy so uh, he would eventually uh he would have that would be kind of the rivalry he would have until at least july where killings would deliver quite an impassioned and angry promo in which he implied that you know he was the only reason he's been held back and not being put into the main event picture is a result of his race it was if you go back and watch it man he had a lot of passion and it's uh, like a lot of fire and passion in that promo uh, which is which you know you'd be surprised considering you know it's our truth when you think of our truth yeah. nowadays but yeah man this is it's a whole different beast at this part so he he gets rid of his um name of k crush and refers to himself as the truth eventually going by his real name of ron killings and as we all know ron the truth killings was born on the next pay-per-view yep. killings would end up defeating ken shamrock for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, becoming the first ever and to date the only recognized African American NWA World Heavyweight Champion in history. That's every time I hear oh. that stat, it sounds so fake, but it's wow. real. And think about this, right? The NWA World Heavyweight Championship got, traces itself back to 1905. And yeah, and it took until 2002 for a. Uh, and there a... still hasn't been another African American champion since. I'll, I'll say is this right? No, no knock on uh, on Nick Aldis, but I just I uh, on on him at all. But I feel like the NWA may be a little bit outdated. <laughs> they, they might need to change that stat. They yeah, they both they definitely have to. Holy hell! Uh, I did it, not realize. Yeah, that I'm cool. I'm gonna spare my views on Nick Aldis's current state of title reign. Mm. Same, same, same. I mean, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna spare my my voice. 
Fair enough. Fair but enough. he would become. Oh. That would also mean that Ron Killings would become the fourth African American in professional wrestling to win a world heavyweight title at that time. Again, absurd. That's an absurd stat. That's an absurd stat. Holy he would shit. go on to defend the title in matches against uh, Jerry Lynn, Low Key, Kurt Hennig, Monty Brown, and Scott Hall before eventually dropping the title in November 2002 to Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Uh, oh hello friend back hello. again I see I can hear the, the opening riff to my world playing in my head and I mentioned Jeff Jarrett was that the one that had the really annoying siren yes da, 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 yeah that one da, da, da. <laughs> so as a, uh, with, with a little help from Vince Russo funnily enough actually <laughs> so as, as, as a result of that that match Killings would turn face and eventually would form the stable free live crew allying himself with the former Road Dog now known as BG James and Conan um, the crew ended up having quite a long run going from 2003 to 2005, picking up many World Tag Team Championships. And if you ask me, had one hell of an entrance theme, if you ask me. I went back and listened to it this morning. and thought, You know what? Fair play to them. Conan's, re- Conan's uh, bit. Conan's track awesome. record. Conan's track record of, of wrestling themes is kind of, is kind of undefeated. Exactly. He's got a good record. Exactly. And look, not look, Jim Johnston level. Oh no, not Jim Johnston level. But but, but he's got a good record. He, absolutely. And I tell you this, Ron really absolutely slays this song. Like the hook is incredible in this song as well. I've it's, again, it's just like like he's legit. I'll go off on a tangent about uh, to talk about his music career a little bit, but Ron Killings yeah. has a really good music career, and he's legit as heck. Like uh, I've never heard any of his music. Actually. I think I think the most recent song that I think I heard, I think it might have been a World Star of all channels that he had. But oh yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. He's still at the age of forty nine. He's still got a lot of talent like musicality and and rap wise his lyricism is really good as well see it's like when we did that episode about wrestlers in music mm. and i was like the thing is though is that he was actually doing music before he became a wrestler so he actually has like tangible talent exactly <laughs> exactly i mean this is the guy that that that, that wrapped uh, that wrapped jake hager to the ring in bellator actually no that's not a good example is it my I forget what i forget i said that he wrapped someone to the ring in Bellator. There you go, it's better. <laughs> but no, um, they would go on to have many tag team um, uh, title reigns at the time. They would actually uh, have one of the very first uh, teams in TNA to utilize the Freebird rule as well. They would hold on to those championships from about uh, for the, in their first run in 2003 all the way to January 2004 when they were defeated by Red Shirt Security. Do you remember Red Shirt Security, any of you two? Yes. 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 The team of Kevin Northcutt and Joey Legend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> after this, though, uh, Killings would go on again to try and... Uh, you know, try and win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Um, and of course, at this time, Jarrett was champion. And I believe at this time, he would have won the championship for a second time. 
um, yeah. around this time. Uh, Killings would end up, uh, I believe he would have ended up dropping it again to to Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, he did. Do you know where he dropped it? Oh, I can't. I can't remember for the life of me, Dad. Where did he drop it? At the King of the Mountain. Oh, oh gosh! Oh, no, yeah, he did, didn't he? <laughs> Yes, it was the oh, king. If I remember no. rightly, it was June. Uh, it was around June two thousand and four. Yeah, it was like the King of the Mountain, wasn't it? Chris Harris, AJ Styles, and Raven, wasn't it? In that yeah, it was well? June two thousand four. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. my god. Oh gosh. Yeah. Of course he had. A if you want to hear me talk shit on the King of the Mountain match, go back to our match stipulations yes. episode. Oh, you just hear me talk shit on TNA. As much as I love TNA, man, they had some bad ideas that they <laughs> thought were good. <laughs> they did. <laughs> uh, again, Killings and Free Love Crew would go on to have another tag reign after that, defeating Team Canada. By the way, one of the most underrated stables in TNA. Absolutely. Um, and and then after that, dissension arose in 2005 when uh, Billy Gunn would join TNA as the New Age Outlaw. But then they realised that WWE owned that copyright yeah. and then they called him the Outlaw to avoid copyright. <laughs> um, Jay, or the Outlaw would convince James to reform their former tag team. Uh, and then Killings and Conan would feud with the Outlaw and Monty Brown with James's loyalty kind of called into question. And eventually, of course, the, the team would split. And, and uh, BG James would end up going on with the outlaw who would na- rename himself Kip James. And then we'd get, of course, the voodoo kin mafia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rock Killings after this time would linger in the singles, uh, re- uh, singles kind of uh, scene a little bit here and there until he ended up forming an alliance with Consequences Creed and... He's back, he's back, he's the Pac-Man Jones. Uh, now, we, I'm going to do this. Um, Raiden, do you know who Consequences Creed is? It's our boy, isn't it? Yeah, it's our boy. Yep. It's our boy, Austin. Hell yeah, it is. Our uh, boy. Oh, man. Rashid <laughs> Lucius Consequences Creed, as he was known at this time. Back when he was back when he was doing an Apollo Creed gimmick, yes, which I'm glad DNA, someone, everyone. True, but I'm glad someone did it, and I'm yes. glad it was him. Yes, exactly. Now here's the thing: uh, when he formed this alliance with Pac-Man Jones, uh, he was still under contract, I believe, as a football player, but ever yes. had a ban. So when he was signed to TNA. There, I believe there was a clause in his contract which prevented him from doing any physical activity at all. So when a tag match uh, was scheduled for Blound for Glory uh, between, I believe it was Patman Jones and Ron Killings versus AJ Styles and Tomko, Patman Jones was replaced by Creed. And I believe this might be... This might be me overthinking it or kind of melding the two together, but I believe when Killings did the scissor kick, I believe it was Pac-Man Jones that entered the ring and did the pin, wasn't it? 
probably something like that. It, it was a whole bunch of a, it was a whole bunch of mess. But he did he did parade around as if he was the tag champion, though Pac-Man Jones did. Yeah. Uh, but it was shortly after that in 2007 that Ron Killings thought, "Screw this, I'm out of here because they're not utilizing me properly." And in December, worked out a release from TNA, <laughs> which leads us to 2008. And to uh, Ron Killings re-signing with World Wrestling Entertainment and re-debuting in, on SmackDown under the ring name R-Truth. <sighs> so he would debut on the August 29th episode in 2008, defeating Kenny Dykstra of all people, believe it or not. I mean, I didn't even realise he was still with the company at that point. Believe it or not. <laughs> Uh, but WWE at this time completely would chose to ignore his past as K Quick and with the Hardcore Championship. <laughs> yes, this is WWE. <laughs> of course they did. Uh, but then he, of course he would go on to win. Uh, he, he would have matches here and there. He was there as a staple name of of the promotion. And then in 2010 would go on to win the United States Championship, uh, defeating the Miz for the vacant championship, giving him his first singles championship since returning to the company. He would go on eventually to lose that to The Miz in a fatal four-way match um, against, I believe it was John Morrison, The Miz, and Zack Ryder, I think it was. Yeah, this was when Zack Ryder was hot. Yeah, this yeah. was when Zack Ryder was over. I remember. Yeah, before, before the company were like, okay, we're now going to ruin this man's life in front of your eyes. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, no, he was unsuccessful on that um, in that endeavor. Of course, losing to the Miz. Uh, it was then quickly he would then go on to form, uh, be part of Team WWE uh, in that SummerSlam match against the Nexus. Believe it or not. <laughs> yep, yep. And then of course we get our oh, shit. Before I go on, I I must ask at this time, hello uh, of you uh, of of you two, and especially to Reardon, our truth. What did you think of him when he started before we get to arguably his most infamous storyline in 2011? I thought he was I thought he was all right. I thought he was all right. I thought he was pretty cool. You know, he was a, the thing about Ron is that he's a very good wrestler. Mm. Like I honestly forget in my, to be frank, hatred of the gimmick. I often forget. <laughs> but he does put on good, good matches. Mm. I remember him putting on some very good matches with Cena, at, actually, at one point. Yeah. Yep. We'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to we'll get to that. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I had no problem. I, and and that's the thing like you know he was he was kind of a watered down version of wrong the truth killings in tna that's that's for sure you could see yeah basically that. funny enough he ended up being a i don't know how he managed it uh i, I guess because he owns the sole copyright to it but he managed to take what's up from tna to wwe with him probably because he has control of the rights yeah it's a crazy it's crazy you can do that if you have like the sole copyright to a song how you're able to go from one company to another and still manage to maintain and still use the song that you came out with oh yeah i mean that's why that's why um there's always all this um issue now around 
well, at least current and current music around who actually owns the rights to the masters and um, exactly. usage rights. This um, there was a, I believe it was, I want to say it was Prince, mm. um, where Radiohead covered one of his songs at a festival, mm. and someone recorded it, and then the record label took it down. Mm. But then Prince himself said, no, I want that up. That's yeah. my song. I want that up. Yeah. Um, and so the record label were kind of like, I guess we have to listen to him. What <laughs> one absolute it's... Don Prince was, you know, man. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, it stayed up. But now it started up a whole thing around, you know, some musicians where they give their express permission for the use of something and then someone uses it and then, you know, all of a sudden, people are like, "Ah, oh, my thing has been copyright claimed for using the thing you said I could use, and it's from yeah. the record label and stuff." Yes, exactly. exactly. What I'm saying is, copyright law is outdated and needs to be fixed for the modern age. But that's a separate thing that we'll get that's to. A, oh, heck separate, yeah, heck yeah. So yeah, it's amazing to know that he was able to do that um, at this time as well. During this time as well, he would team, of course, with John Morrison uh, <clears> for a couple of unsuccessful title opportunities against, I believe it might have been Show Miz. Probably, I don't know. The Miz, the Miz was tag teaming with basically anyone, anyone. and everyone at that time. Yeah, because I remember there was Show Miz and there was the Miz and Alex Riley, which was a yes. thing. Absolutely, uh, this would cause our truth to actually snap and attack John Morrison, and we got the very first uh, heel, our truth. If you remember rightly, I believe it was this was when our truth came out to no music. <laughs> Except I believe it was actually yeah. he came out to a, him saying the truth so set set you free, and then came out to no music. Yeah, mm. which was a weird thing, and to seeing like a very kind of unstable, kind of like heelish, our truth. <laughs> What I can say was the really uh, one thing I do remember that was very absurd was that on I believe that year's SmackDown versus Raw mm. or <clears throat> or like WWE twelve or whatever it was. Yeah. They obviously had to like retrofit an entrance for him. Yes. And it's incredibly Ooh. fucking awkward. Is <laughs> it really? <laughs> it's <laughs> Oh, man. So, this leads us, of course, to quite possibly Reardon's favourite ever part of R-Truth's career, Little Jimmy. R-Truth, uh, in 2011, would become the number one contender for the WWE Championship, along with John Cena via double disqualification after The Miz and Alex Riley attacked both of them during a number one contender's gauntlet match. Now, this was the era of the anonymous Raw general manager. And yeah. The GM stated that due to interference from Miz and Riley, Truth and Cena would both compete for the WWE Championship at Extreme Rules in a steel cage match. Of course, R-Truth didn't win that. <laughs> yep. And of course, this would lead to uh, R Truth finally snapping, and then finally having go having a go at the audience. He would, <laughs> oh god! If you remember, this would all lead to him yeah. like shouting at little kids, calling yeah. them little Jimmy, <laughs> and going nuts, throwing drinks everywhere. Uh, he would go. He would then <laughs> the anonymous raw general manager. 
scheduled a championship match between Cena and uh, and R Truth for capital punishment on the condition that R Truth apologised for his behaviour <laughs> of throwing a cup of soda in the <laughs> at, a, at a kid's face. <laughs> so wrestling, <laughs> wrestling. On the June 6th episode of Raw, the go-home Raw before Capital Punishment, R-Truth made his way out to the ring, singing a song about Little Jimmy, wearing a Confederate soldier's uniform. This is one of those moments where you look at something and you just go... What? (laughs) Reardon... Do you did you watch this as is live as is by any chance? Thank the Lord, no. <laughs> Do you have any fond memories upon seeing this eventually when you got around to it? Fond memories? Is that a joke? <laughs> uh... Like genuinely, I don't even know how to quantify this. Uh, I guess this what? must have been the time. I don't want to. I I will speculate. Maybe this has been the time where Vince discovered that our truth could be was making him laugh his head off, and maybe oh, yeah. this is the time that Vince went. You know what? Let's let's try and make him do the funniest things possible to make me laugh. <laughs> that is the thing. That's right. Like um, John Moxley mentioned this, didn't he? That it, sometimes the worst thing you could do is make him laugh. Yeah. And boy, from all accounts, our truth does make Vince laugh quite a lot. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, as a surprise to no one, our truth was unsuccessful in winning the WWE Championship. Rude. But believe, believe this or not, this rivalry would go on, of course, until around July time, because of course it was a tables match between our truth and Cena. That uh, pre- that would then precede the f- very famous pipe bomb promo from CM Punk. Yep, yep it would. Wow. I mean, strictly this the 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 feud went all the way up to like I believe December. Then, yeah, because then we get, of course, the awesome truth. Two men yeah. that have been um, two men that have been kind of slighted by the booking. Oh, sorry, the power of John Cena. Well, it could be booking as well when you think about it. The power of John Cena and John Laurinaitis at the same time. Exactly. (laughs) Both of them have finally had had enough of the injustices of what the company was doing and proceeded to beat up and kind of take and go into business for themselves, eventually forming the tag team, the awesome truth. Of course, I remember a very famous scene where they attacked, I believe they attacked... uh, I think it was at Hell in a Cell, it may have been. They attacked Del Rio, Punk, John Cena, and the referees of the yeah. Triple Threat WWE Championship match and then got arrested. Yep. Um, and then, of course, this would lead up to the very famous, I say very famous, the tag team match at Survivor Series between the Awesome Truth <laughs> yeah. and John Cena and The Rock. Man, that was a thing. Did you think they got any offense <clears throat> in? <laughs> Oh, you're having a funny one, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's a, again, it was a thing. Uh, uh, unfortunately, though, the end of the match would see the Miz attacking our truth at the end with a skull-crushing finale, and we would not see truth uh, for the thirty days because he was suspended for violating yeah, he the wellness policy. Done for violating the wellness policy. 
Oh, but then again, uh, after this, I'll go into a little more kind of details here uh, bef- uh, before we get to the final and the most current part of uh, of our truth. It would form an alliance with Kofi Kingston, winning the tag championships. He would well, feud. He would feud with U.S. champion Antonio Cesaro for a little bit. Yeah, he would unsuccessfully challenge for the Intercontinental Championship against Curtis Axel. Um, he would have a small alliance with Xavier Woods for a little bit, but that was before, I think shortly before, Xavier <clears throat> Woods would then ally himself with Big E and uh, Kofi Kingston. I think it was like... I want to say it ended around probably May of that year, so it would have been, what, May 2014? Correct, yeah. That the New Day kind of time. started, I think, around November 2014. Early 2015, maybe. Yes, indeed, indeed. Of course, he would all after this. Then he would uh, go up against. Uh, well, try if you remember. <laughs> oh God, I remember this one. Try to successfully win the Money in the Bank ladder match, despite the fact that a he had a fear of heights and b he wasn't even in the match. <laughs> See, I love it when WWE does stuff like that. <laughs> I think that's great. Mm. Oh gosh, damn it! <laughs> I don't know. But then he, he would, after so, that yeah. time, he after that buddy in the bank debacle, he would uh, go. He would be part of the 2015 King of the Ring, calling himself King. What's up? <laughs> nice. After, especially after when uh, Barrett had won that, and he stole and and our stole. <laughs> Barrett's crown and cape, and then proceeded again to call himself King. What's up? <laughs> oh, do you want me to keep going, Reardon? Because I'll keep going. Oh, I know you will. The Golden Truth uh, in twenty. I was going to say, should we just get to the discourse? <laughs> His alliance with Carmella. Remember that time when they would do moonwalking, oh, hot dogging, and grandstanding. <laughs> I remember that bit. That is the closest thing to tolerable that the R-Truth has ever been for me, and that's only because of Carmella, frankly. And of course, we get to current day R-Truth and his run with the 24-7 championship. <laughs> is the 24-7 championship still a thing? And I mean that, I mean that in yes. all honesty. Yes, Apparently so. <laughs> Every so often, there's like a one moment between like Drew Gulak and Akira hour, and then like something happens, I don't know. So, for for a brief history on this, on the May 20th, 2019 episode of Monday Night Raw, Mick Foley unveils the 24-7 championship. Similar to the oh, Hulk championship, which also uses the 24-7 role. I can still remember to this day the the reaction on Twitter of the 24-7 championship going, that is one bargly belt. <laughs> it just looks like a really bad vinyl press. It, it looks like a vinyl press along with the WBC championship in boxing. <laughs> so, as everyone remembers, there was a there was an absolute tussle and a, and a bundle of loads of wrestlers coming out to grab the title. <laughs> but it would end up being that Robert Roode would win the title in uh, and leave the arena or try to leave the arena. But then later on, Truth would pin Roode to win the championship and would be the first person to flee Monday Night Raw 
and then become the 24-7 champion for an allotted amount of time. Of course, the following weeks would see R-Truth and Carmella regularly appearing on both Raw and SmackDown with the 24-7 championship, constantly losing it and winning it. But he would win. Would you like to hear the, the who's who of who R-Truth lost and subsequently won the cha- the 24-7 title to. You know what? This is going to be very interesting. So please, please do so. <clears throat> Heath Slater, Cedric Alexander, Mike Kanellis, Shelton Benjamin, The Revival, twice to Jinder Mahal, Akira Tozawa, Drake Maverick, of who he would have the longest storyline with, EC3, Elias, seven times to Mojo Rawley, although he would usually regain it minutes after Mojo would win it. <laughs> oh my goodness, who do I say? Alundra Blaze, Ted DiBiase, <laughs> Candice Michelle, Bad Bunny. <laughs> Bad Bunny. <laughs> oh my gosh, and who about basically any guest person they had at that time? Oh yeah, who could I forget? Yeah. Marshmallow. Marshmallow at one point won the 24 7 championship. <laughs> Carl Bush as well. <laughs> Race car driver Carl Bush won that title. Didn't, was it NS Cantor won it as well? Yes. Sports presenter Rob Stone also won it as well. And I believe at this time, R Truth has now, I believe, won the 24 7 championship six, nearly 60 times. I think it's 50-something times. He's very close. (laughs) That's utterly ridiculous. (sighs) And thus, we get to modern day, of course, Ron, our truth. Ron the truth killings and where he is now. At age 49, multiple championships. (laughs) Still a mainstay of the WWE. Still making music to this very day. Now... I want to say, ask, pose you two, uh, two questions, uh, and especially to Reardon as well. What oh. is your honest opinion on Ron the Truth Killings? His career as a whole, I would say, from what I've to- talked about right now. Who wants to go first? <laughs> you, go first. you go first. That's silence. You go first. That's silence. If you want my honest opinion about our truth and his entire career, he is a good wrestler that can have good matches and has good ability in every single area that you would want a pro wrestler to be good at. He can talk, he can engage with the audience, he can have good matches, and he can be a and he could be a reliable worker when you need him. Mm. But the problem is. For whatever reason, he's always been pigeonholed. Yes. He's always been stuck into a box from which he cannot be freed. <laughs> Ironic, considering the truth apparently can set you free. <laughs> That's, yes. And so he's just always ended up in these situations where it's like, haha, look at the funny dancing man. When re- there is genuinely a very good wrestler in there. Yeah. They can put on good matches and tell great stories, and like can do and can be a good heel. He can be a good face, but because 
people have only ever had the opportunity to see him as, hey, look at this guy who dances and raps his way to the ring. He's been stuck in this place and they're like, oh no, give him the 24-7 title. Vince thinks it's funny. <laughs> when like, I think we can say that at least up until a couple years ago, you could say our truth is the United States champion and you'd probably believe it. It'd be acceptable. Yeah. But he's been dragged so far down now that if I go there and say, oh, our truth won the United States championship against Sheamus, people be like, our truth won? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, like... he's someone that clearly companies wanted to put trust in but then mm. once they put that trust in him they kind of just went all right well i guess you seem pretty good at this so we're just gonna do this tna decided to do it and just not take him seriously wwe went on a vein and just decided to not take him seriously mm. and i mean it, it's a thing i guess i'll take this opportunity to quote air quote shoot on wwe if you want to call it that mm. WWE has this horrid fascination and obsession with the belief that you, ha if you are funny, you can't be a legit wrestler. Yeah, yeah. And it's the it's the thing that people say to me. Oh, you like Toru Yano though, and Colt Cabana. But the thing is, the important distinction is, for all their comedy, they are shown to be competent wrestlers. Yes. Mm. For for all of the jokes that exist around Toriano and how he is a wrestler, he is a comedy wrestler, Toriano. Mm -hmm. No one's going to debate that fact. New Japan always say that when it matters, he can be a shooter. Yeah. Mm. He had a great that match he can, against Kota one time. That he can genuinely go with the best of them. There is a reason that he has wins over Okada, over Omega, over the who's who of New Japan. Yep. <laughs> and, like, again, Colt Cabana, again, competent technical wrestler, very competent. Yep. But is also funny. Yes. But in WWE, there's this thing where if you're funny in any way, you are a joke. Yeah. You exist mm. to be laughed at. Mm. And I find it the most confusing thing. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Because, because yeah. think about it, right? Chad Gable, mm. American Alpha. Yeah. Mm. Competent technical wrestler. Yep. Very Him strong. and Jason Jordan would put a little bit of comedy into their stuff. Yeah. Right. Be funny. Have a personality. And for whatever reason, they took that and went, call him Shorty G, make him wear basketball shorts, and have him lose all the time. <sighs> Yeah, it, it it's like people forget. It, I mean, like I say, I say people. I guess WWE management, creative, whoever, whoever's mm. directing, you know, at directing it, forget part of what made Kurt Angle so loved. Yeah, he was funny, and he was a shooter. Yeah, those two existed together. People again, if you want to add the qualify if you think he was funny or not the rock <laughs> yeah had personality and was a wrestler that could be shown to win matches they're not two mutually exclusive concepts exactly 
Yeah. And that's that's my thing with our truth. I find I find it so weird that they're like, if he's funny, he can't be winning matches. Cause I would say to people, genuinely, if you're like looking at training as a wrestler, do you have a look at those twenty eleven John Cena matches? Yeah. For real, do so. Like oh, good. <laughs> Like they're gen- they are generally genuinely worth your viewing, mm. Mm. and I, again, I just find it's this weird kind of intersection of stuff where people have just been like, "He's funny, he's good at that, he does music, so we'll make him do this, and just leave him to it." So mm. I'll let Reardon take the floor because <laughs> I'm going to go quickly dash off and do some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, go, go, go make some dinner I'll still be going by the time <laughs> five hours later no but yeah Reardon knowing his history and that makes my suspicions confirmed and makes them more frustrating mm. it's a whole thing of he it like I have never said that he is a bad wrestler because he's not He's a very good wrestler. And at his age, to still be working the matches he's doing and going the way he does is very impressive. Cannot emphasize that enough. Mm. My issue has always been the character. And in a vacuum, I would just, I would dislike it like I dislike many other characters Mm. in WWE, past and present. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but it's that fact. He is number four when it comes to African-American wrestlers who have won championships. Yeah. Four. In a a hundred year, a hundred and fifty year history. Yeah. (laughs) And for number, for number four to have a character that I'm, I hate using the word. I really hate using the word, but it's the only only word that I can use. Mm. Basically a minstrel character. Yeah. Like, I like, and I hate saying that. I mm. really do. But what else can I say? No, you're he right. He wear a fucking Confederate uniform. What can I say, my dudes? Let's not forget that he had a that he had a bloody sword as well. <laughs> yeah, like what tooth? Like what the fuck, man? It's oh, it's, bro. I guess it's, it's... like yeah. <laughs> it's... I can't like I, and that's always coloured my because that's always coloured my view of it. Because how could it not? For God's sake! Oh gosh, yeah. Like. And it's like that combined with the fact that it's gotten better and it's something we'll probably talk about, like, you know, when October comes up, shameless plug, watch that. But, <laughs> but it is like, for the longest time, he was the black jobber to the stars. The longest running that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Unless, like, you're you're the you're the uh, you're the dictionary, you're the encyclopedia on that, Sam. Bad Correct news. I think bad news. Brown comes to mind as well when um when I think about that. 
Yeah. Um, hell, I even want to say like Monty Brand jobbed out to Jeff Jarrett when he should have been the NWA heavyweight champion at that time. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I, 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 in future episode, I will get on to uh, how that was yeah. just an absolute injustice. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I expect that. I expect that very much. But no, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that one. I guess this leads on to my next question, the the other question I had. Are there any redeeming qualities to the character of our truth? The character of our truth. Uh, from his um, entire it, run in WWE. <laughs> Okay. Oh, God. Um, uh, if I had to say, are there any redeeming qualities? I mean, other than his wrestling ability, mm-hmm. that if you need him to, he can carry a segment. Yes. He I has mean, the ability. He has the ability to talk and the ability to connect with fans enough that he can take. A segment that would otherwise be awful and make it possible. He made Brock Lesnar laugh. He made Brock Lesnar break character. Like I, like I genuinely, I genuinely think in in some ways when they let him be, and I'm using the term here, organically funny. Mm. When they let him make it himself and create a situation where he is in his, we you know, like he's in the right place to, mm. he can be genuinely funny. And can make yeah. some genuinely good segments. But when he's stuck in, say, the WWE, we're going to give you your lines, here's your segment, just make this work and nothing makes sense, it's a bit more difficult. Mm. Mm. Uh, honestly, in terms of the character, when he has someone to bounce off of, I find it more tolerable. Like his team up with Camilla was his most tolerable for me. In all yeah. yeah, I agree. It was kind of like um like her kind of straight manning did actually work. The the genuine the genuine like care that those two characters had for each other was rather sweet. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I have I have views on it that other people have had that I can't necessarily say. Mm. Mm. I I'd be very interested to hear that. Because <laughs> uh, I would, you know, you would, you could say Golden Truth, but I always felt like Golden Truth was just WWE's way of trying to rehash Gold Dust and Booker T. No, it was. It yeah, no, was. yeah, no, it was. It, it was, and it just didn't work. It just did not work at all. Um, but yeah, that is where we are going to end our retrospective on our short, 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 and short and sweet. Short and sweet. So, have I managed... I'm sorry, you can blame me for <laughs> it. <laughs> Would you say I maybe have swayed you to go, you know what, I have a bit more respect for Ron. Ron Killing's the man. Would you say? To be honest, I've always had respect for Ron Killing's the man. Yeah. Yeah. I've always kind of said it as I respect the man for going through what he has oh, for hell years yes. at this point. Hell yes. Mm. And he's had one hell for, for a guy of his career and how long it's been, he's had one hell of a career with a lot of accomplishments. Oh, without question. Uh, he's had a hell of a lot, but he should have more. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, there's not a lot of people that could say that they were once. Uh, a two-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Unless your name's Adam Pearce, or Colt Cabana, or Nick Aldis, or Tim Storm. Uh, I digress. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I, my argument is no, but I like, listen, like, you've never needed to redeem, like, Ron Killings the Man in my eyes. But you it was always our truth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You will never redeem our truth for me. Now you know what I there is. I I I will sleep easy knowing that I don't have to do that because I was probably yeah. never going to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. <laughs> All right then, chaps. So, oh man, again, it's another t- amazing way and turnabout of events in the way we've scheduled this. On our next episode, we are going to be doing. <laughs> the raw anonymous general manager i can't this, wait to get into this this, this is yeah, gonna be so is, much fun this is gonna be juicy this is gonna be juicy because this is oh God. yeah no no go on you know what i'm just gonna leave it at that that's gonna <laughs> yeah. be juicy for, for me the thing that makes this so fun is that this was a rare occasion of something that i watched when i was younger wrestling mm. and i hated it so going Ooh. back to it when i already hated it as a younger person which is generally like i'd like something when i was a kid and come to hate it later yes like i can't i all you know it's almost this weird like sick feeling if i can't wait to go back to this <laughs> this is going to be you finally exercising some childhood demons oh yeah yeah, uh, this is going to be me exercising a lot of. You know uh, what? I think it might be. I think I think it might be the reason I have such fervent hatred for MacBooks. Ooh, you know what? <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. We're going to leave it there. Oh actually. yeah, but but I will say we will not be alone on this one because we are going to be joined by one of my favorite peeps in the wrestling uh the the wrestling extended universe <laughs> or the podcast universe connor from wrestling with fiction is going to be joining uh, us on this one i cannot wait Excellent. for it um, Excellent. i cannot wait to see him try to rebook the anonymous raw general manager <laughs> but i don't envy you connor we did we, I, I i certainly don't but <laughs> Until then, I have been Sam, this has been Dan and Reardon, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. Get rowdy as always, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye! You will never be free. What's up? (laughs) 